Welcome again to everybody, and especially you, uh, you that are first-time guests. We're glad that you're here. And a shout-out to anyone who's watching online. We're glad you guys are tuning in as well. About a year, year and a half ago, I did what a lot of us do multiple times a week. I went down to my mailbox to check my mail, open my mailbox, and reach in there and grab some stuff and pull some things out. And there was one envelope in the mix that was a little bit different looking, a little peculiar. And so I pulled it out, looked very official, you know, opened it up. Happy birthday to me. It was a speeding violation uh, from a camera. <laughs> How many of you have had those? Okay, yeah. Good, I'm not alone. Okay. And I had no idea. I'm racking my brain. I'm like, when, what on earth? When was I speeding? And I didn't know I signed up for a reality TV show. And, you know. and so, um, and I remembered, oh, it was that day. I, I just happened to go down a road I typically don't go down. And uh, I remember traffic slowing down and me thinking, why is everyone slowing down? You know, the kind of, what's going on here? And I've learned now in, in moving to Ohio over the last few years that when everybody starts to just slow down at once, you're either entering into a 20-mile-per-hour zone for a school or there's deer that are just, like, messing with you, you know, coming across the road. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, shoot, man. I might as well, instead of just paying the thing, I might as well go to the, go to the judge and tell him, you know, it's new on the road. Maybe he'll reduce my fine or cut me a break or something. And, and uh, I said that first service, and everybody started laughing. I'm like, I don't know what city you live in, but I guess there's a reputation for that not going well. So I showed up, and... So I'm in the courtroom with all these people and, you know, for traffic violations. And to make it even worse, they were having a hard time finding my file. And so they started searching through the database. And so they started searching through the video. So I'm like, I'm in the front row. And there's all these people in this room. And they're showing them this video screen of all this traffic. And sure enough, there's my car. And they had it like on a loop. So I just watched myself over and over again. Passing all these cars in a school zone, having no idea in the moment, you know. I'm sure I was worshiping the Lord or something in my car, you know. <laughs> so when it was my turn, I got called up to the judge. He's like, you know, why were you going so fast in a school zone? I'm like, hey, I didn't know it was a school zone. I don't usually drive down that road. I just I wasn't paying attention, didn't know what was going on. And, and uh, he looked at me, and he just he gave me that look. He kind of gave me that ju- judicial stink eye, you know. <laughs> he says, you just need to slow down. I'll go ahead and dismiss it this time. I was like, what? See, absolutely just gave me mercy, man. I mean, I, I was guilty, clear as day. Everybody in the courtroom that would have known that was my car. <laughs> as guilty as they come, but he just he extended mercy for whatever reason that day. W- when have you received mercy like that or even greater? When have you given mercy like that? So we've been going through this teaching series on the Beatitudes and just thinking about Jesus uh, giving his Sermon on the Mount, this, this big section in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 where he's teaching on the kingdom of God and he, he kicks it off with these Beatitudes, these characteristics of the citizens of heaven, that as followers of Christ, these, these are supposed to come out of us as we grow in our relationship with Christ. And so you know, we're surrounded by the actual hills of where Jesus taught that and we're thinking about what he said that day. And we've come to this place where he's going to talk today about mercy. And so Today, we're going to knit our hearts together and, and ask God to not just teach us about mercy, but to help us learn how to be more merciful today. So I invite you to join me back into the section where we see the Beatitudes. It's Matthew chapter 5. So open up your Bibles to Matthew 5. Fire up your Bible applications on your devices if that's the route you go. Or if you're here today, by the way, and you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one for free. Just stop by our information center. We'd love to give you a Bible so you have your own. It's free as a gift. And what I want to do is I just want to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and then 
for those of you who've been here for, you know, the last several weeks, let's try to do the Beatitudes that we've learned so far by memory, okay? So close your eyes, look away from the screens, you know, look away from your Bible, see how you do. If you're a guest or you're newer, we'll give you mercy. <laughs> you don't need to worry about doing it. Um, but let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, so this, let's try to do this from memory. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And today, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Would you pray with me, please? God, we gather here today, and uh, right out of the gate, <laughs> we know we're guilty. <laughs> we're already sinful, we're broken, we, we are renegades from the God who made us. And God, there is a lack of mercy in all of our hearts and all of our lives. So God, we confess that. And Lord, we ask that as we take steps and move toward growth in you and becoming more like you, God, that you would even today increase the mercy that flows from us into the lives of others. So God, uh, we set aside our agendas. We're not here to punch a clock for church. We're not here to do um, a duty, God. We're here because we do hunger and thirst. So Holy Spirit, be our teacher. God, help us not just learn more about you, but learn how to be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all say together, amen. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the, mercy, the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want to launch from this one verse from this one beatitude, really into a kind of a three-part progressive understanding of mercy and how to apply it to our life. And we have to start with step one. We just have to come to this first understanding. God is merciful. God is merciful. You know, uh, when you think about mercy, how do, how do, you, how do you best understand mercy? We, we understand that mercy is kind of like forgiveness, but not. Uh, mercy is, is something that is compassionate. It's, there's, there's a forgiving aspect. But what is the best way to understand mercy? For me, one of the lasting understandings of mercy has been taking it into contrast with grace and justice. And so many of you have heard it put this way before. It's helped me the most. Is that justice is getting what you deserve. If, when I, if I was in that courtroom and the judge said, guilty, pay the fine, justice is served. I was guilty, <laughs> clearly. Everybody in the courtroom saw it, you know? Um, and then, then on top of that, uh, we, we deserve whatever's coming to us. That's justice. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And I was given mercy that day. Mercy was, was him saying, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss this. And so when we deserve something and it's not given to us, it's not dished out, that, that's mercy. Grace, on the other hand, is getting what you don't deserve. And, and that would have been if the judge says, hey, not only will I not give, you know, give you a fine, but here's a hundred bucks, go have a good day. What? You know, that would have been a very gracious act, you know, and, and when we look at God, all three of these characteristics come from God. God is a God of justice, and I know that's kind of hard to believe when we look around the world and we see all the crazy stuff happening, and, you know, God disciplines his children. He allows things in our lives to shape us and form us. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world, and so all this crazy stuff's happening, but we still experience God's mercy every day. And so God, God is a God of justice. He is going to be just, but he's also a God of mercy, and he's also a God of grace. And so we understand these components to God. These are all existing in his being. And, and uh, the Bible talks about mercy over 200 times. 
mercy, merciful, mercies, things like that. Uh, Here's a few of the verses connected to God. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is what? Merciful. That's Psalm 116.5. The Lord is gracious and what? Merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 145.8. In Lamentations 3, 22-23, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is merciful. I mean, think about it. We have broken, sinful, rebellious hearts. And, and in that state, God looks down at us, and he can execute his final and full justice right now. But he's delaying his final and full uh, justice for a day that will be coming. But for now, we see that, that, that God is this God of mercy, and there's this window of mercy, and he pours out his mercy. His mercies are new every day. Think about this. Whatever you did yesterday, God gave you a brand new day to wake up to. And you are experiencing his mercy upon your life, in your life, today, in a new way. And you know what? Whatever ways you deviate from what God designs for you, desires for you today, tomorrow when you wake up, guess what? Brand new mercy is ready to meet you. We, we live in this season of understanding God's mercy. Mercy is like a window that we get to see into God's heart. He, he's a merciful God. He has every right to condemn us and judge us and punish us because we're rebellious and we're sinful and we want to be God. We don't want him to be God. We don't want to submit to him. We want to live our life the way we want to live our life. God stay out, and because of that sin, because of that heart, he has every right. We deserve his wrath, but he's a merciful God. He pours out his mercies, and so when we come to this understanding of mercy, we have to understand that that it all begins with God. God is a merciful God. I don't know about you. I'm very grateful for that. The second understanding we need to come is that not only is God merciful, not only is he a God of mercy, but his mercy moves him. God's mercy moved him. Mercy leads to action. And so whenever you have a moment where you're feeling mercy or whenever you receive mercy, whenever that compassion, whenever that love, whatever is kicking up in your heart that's leading toward mercy, it's going to convert to action at some point. Mercy isn't passive. It isn't immobile. It moves. It it pushes us. It prompts us. And so it prompted the heart of God. It moved God. I mean, he looked down on our broken, sinful, lost state and felt mercy for us. And it moved him. Well, how did it move him to action? He looked down upon us and said, your sinfulness, your rebellion, all the things that separate you from me and will separate me and you forever, my justice, the justice side of my nature has to punish that. And the punishment, as the Bible tells us, is death, not just a physical death, but eternal death, separation from God forever in a place called hell. That, that's real. Our, our default destination is not heaven. Our default destination at the end of this life because of our sin and rebellion is hell. That's our default destination. So God sees us in this condition, and his mercy moved him to action. He says, you can't pay the price. You can't. It's not possible. You can't work it off with your good works. You can't go to church enough. You can't memorize enough Bibles. You can't uh, Bible verses. You can't help enough people. You are absolutely helpless to do anything about it yourself. So I'll take care of it for you. 
And, and we start to understand what God did, that, that he came down in person. And when Jesus came and he was born and he lived and when he was put on that cross, and when he was nailed to that cross, like we just sang about a little bit ago, all the wrath, all the justice of God was put upon Jesus on, instead of us. In our place, was put on Christ and he took it to the grave. And then he rose from the grave to validate his divine power, to give evidence that he was God and had the ability to forgive sins. If we are trusting in anything or anyone else other than Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, for heaven, for relationship with God, we're seriously misled. It's all about what God did, his act of mercy. Jesus on the cross is God's mercy manifested. He made a way. He gave us an option that we don't have to experience his wrath. It moved him. Now, I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians with me, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to spend a couple minutes in a, another section. In fact, I'm going to give you three verses right now that I think will clarify what I'm talking about, bring a deeper understanding of this, of this moment of understanding God's mercy and how Jesus' death and resurrection ties to it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, look, look what we see here. It says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is the video screen, and we're in the courtroom, and this is our condition. You are clearly guilty. <laughs> over and over and over again, your deviation from me is, is demonstrated. And so we're, we're by nature these children of wrath, God's justice upon us. And two of my favorite words in Scripture appear next. Like, I don't mind if I ruin you this morning that you'll never see these words the same. That every time you're reading the Bible, every time you're hearing a Bible verse, that these two words are bold, underlined, italics, highlighted, all that stuff, but God. But God, you're a mess, you're broken, you can't do anything about it. But God, verse 4, being rich in what? Mercy. Because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Like understanding that, that we're a mess, we can't do anything, but God himself came down, he made us alive, he didn't look at our grotesque sin and go, I can't touch you, away from me, I'm going to destroy you. He entered into our messiness, and he made a way. And this room is probably full with most of you understanding that. But there's probably some of you here that you've never heard this before or it's never become clear to you that you're broken and you're separated from God and sometimes you feel dirty and you, you feel like you can't come to God and he doesn't want to listen to you and he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. That's a lie. He loved you so much and his mercy moved him into your life on the cross. He moved into our life through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And we see in Titus, Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, 
but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, I hope all of us in this room have moved beyond the understanding that good works don't get you right with God. Most of us have probably been raised in some sort of religious system or religious influence that taught us you have to work your way to heaven. You've got to follow these rules. You have to check these boxes. And if you do it, you'll be good. And if you miss one, oh, too bad, so sad, you know? And we understand that we're not saved by our works. Anything we try to do for God is a, is a dinky little trinket that has no value. It was God's mercy. It was God's action. It was his mercy that moved him to come down in person and go to the cross and raise in the grave. That's our only hope. That's our only hope. We see in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his what? Great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus is God's mercy manifest. Went to the cross, died on the cross, rose from the grave to extend us an opportunity to be forgiven. It's not automatic. You've got to make the move toward God. You've got to respond to his offer of mercy. You have to go after him. You know, it felt good for a human judge to let me off a speeding violation. There are no words that could possibly capture how good it feels to know that the judge of all judge has dismissed my sins in Christ Jesus. And that one day I'm going to stand before him with empty hands, I have nothing to offer with empty hands other than I just received the mercy you gave me through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And to hear my father say, come home. Come home, welcome home. It's only by God's mercy. I hope that God is rooting that really strong in your hearts right now. It's his mercy, it's his mercy, it's his mercy, it's his grace, it's his compassion. Us getting to heaven, us being in relationship with God, it's all him. We just respond. We just respond. And so God is merciful, and his mercy moved him. And because of that, that third point, and this is where that beatitude really comes to be, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, is God's mercy toward us moves us to be merciful to others. See, when we understand, believe, and receive God's mercy, it automatically translates to us being merciful to others. We're merciful to others because... God was merciful to us. We know it's natural, and we know it's fairly um, normal experience that hurt people hurt people. Whenever somebody hurts you with their words, whenever somebody hurts you with their actions, you got to understand they're hurt. They're broken. Their mommy or daddy did something to them 30, 40, 50 years ago. Something's happened in their life. Someone's done something. That hurt has just been festering in their life, and now you're the convenient outflow of that. They might not even know it's happening. It's just kind of automatic. We know it's hurt people hurt people. We know it's natural to not give mercy. It's easy to feel justified in not giving mercy. Look, a gift you gave someone was rejected. They were cruel to you. They did something. They said something. We want to naturally respond in vengeance. We want to naturally respond by getting back. It's understandable. Those people are mean, and people will look at your life. You'll even get counsel from friends saying, yeah, stick it to them. Stick it to them. I'm going to tell you right now, your friends that tell you stick it to them, that's not the word of the Lord. That's not the voice of the Lord. 
Because the Lord can stick it to us anytime he wants, and he's given us mercy. And all he says is, tag, you're it, now you show mercy. See, as a citizen of heaven, as a follower of Christ, as a child of God, we try to follow the example of Christ, not try to follow the example of the world. You know, Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Okay? Imitate God. God, you've shown me mercy, which means if I'm going to imitate you, I need to show mercy. Because when I don't show mercy, I'm not imitating you. And we're called to this. The spiritually mature, the spiritually healthy people operate off different laws. It means instead of hurt people, hurt people. It means forgiven people, forgive people. And those who receive mercy, what? Give mercy. That's the law of our citizenship. That's the rule of our king. Is it easy? No, not at all. We're, we're, we're moved to try to give mercy. I, I, this may sound silly. Um, I think about this area of my life as I've been processing this this week in my own life. Um, and this has been part of my personal transformation over the years, trying to draw close to Jesus. Uh, this one area that has probably manifested itself most in my life, and I know this is going to sound silly a little bit, but it's an area of practical jokes, all right? Um, I'm just one of those guys that you never wanted to do anything to because I was kind of like Israel. You shoot one mortar at me, and I'll give you an airstrike. You know, that's how bad I was. And I prided myself on the fact that people would be like, well, don't get Chad, don't get Chad, don't get Chad, because you'll pay for it. And I, th- I think about the, the little memories I had of just crazy things I've done to people that, you know, coworkers, and I was in student ministry for years, so there's no lack of opportunity, practical jokes. If I had a dollar for every time my house, my car got teepeed, peanut buttered, you name it, you know, it was crazy. And so someone toilet paper in my house, and I'd go and toilet paper every house but theirs on their street, you know, just <laughs> crazy stuff. Um, <laughs> um, one time a guy rearranged my office when I was going on vacation, and I wasn't very happy about that. He found his office on the roof of the church the next week. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I digress. Um, It made me feel good to kind of carry that. Like, don't get me. Don't get me because I'll get you back. I'll get you back bad. And um, as I grew in Christ, as I matured, God's like purged me of that. Now, really quickly, um, I've grown. I'm not perfected, so I can backslide. <laughs> For any of you getting your ideas, don't cause a brother to stumble, you know? <laughs> can backslide real easy. Uh, but this has been an area of growth in my life. I'm going to tell you right now, it has felt so much better over the years of my life to laugh with people and just receive it as an act of, of love and banter than to come back and be vengeful. It might have felt really good to do something bad back to people for times, but it's never felt as good as just laughing with them and just letting it go. I mean, that's just a simple, simple way that God's given me a more merciful heart in my life. And it's like, man, how much more in all the other areas of our life are we supposed to grow in mercy? See, the problem for us is that as we grow close to Christ, as we grow spiritually, we start to get so churchified. We start to get so just Christianized, if you will, in a sense that we deviate from the beauty and the potency of this understanding. We start to become ultra-religious, 
And you can be ultra-religious and not be merciful, right? See, see self-righteousness and mercy, they don't coexist. You tend to be either one or the other, merciful or self-righteous. And Jesus taught on this. In fact, we see him in, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13. It says that Jesus reclined at a table in the house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. You have to remember that the tax collectors were the worst of the worst, worst, of the worst in the eyes of the Jews especially. And he just had all these people that the, the religious elite wouldn't even touch, wouldn't talk to, wouldn't address. And they were dirty, they were filthy. We can't touch them, we can't talk to them, we can't be in their presence. And Jesus was having dinner and these people would come and have dinner with him. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire what? Mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was quoting Hosea 6.6. God said this several times in his word. To desire mercy, not sacrifice. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Pharisees were devout Jewish religious leaders. They were masters of the sacrifice. They were perfectionist at crossing the T's and dotting the I's as far as religiosity, but they didn't get it. In their effort to be so devout to their religious nature, they forgot how to be merciful to others. And Jesus was basically saying, all your sacrifices, all the things you do that are religious are meaningless because you have no mercy in you. And so we can read our Bibles and we can sing our songs and we can be generous with our money and, and we can serve and we can uh, go to church every Sunday and all that kind of stuff and, and cross our T's and dot our I's spiritually beautifully. But if we lack mercy in the lives of other people, Jesus would say it's meaningless. I'm not pleased with your devout sacrifice. Go and learn how to be merciful. Doesn't it bother you? It bothers me that, that I can receive such great mercy from God and yet withhold it from others. Like that's just twisted. And I don't think I'm alone here. How can we receive such great mercy from God and then just withhold it from other people? We don't want it to be meaningless. We don't want it to be empty. We need to go and learn mercy. What does our faith really look like? When mercy is in the mix, do I know the Bible, but do I not live it? Do I preach Jesus, but not imitate him? Am I content on being on the receiving end, but I don't step up being on the giving end? Is my faith in Christ expressed by going to church or by being the church? You know, like, God came to transform our lives, not just to make a bunch of religious, dutiful people that just do what they do, and mercy and love and compassion is just disconnected from who we are and what we're supposed to do. Mercy moved God to action. Mercy will move us to action. And that's the heart of this beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Receive it from who? Well, we know it's true that if you're a more merciful person, that that becomes contagious. You tend to get more mercy in life, but ultimately, you, you can have people be merciful to you, but that's not the, one, the number one on your list, is it? <laughs> Number one on your list is that God will show you mercy. And this is what it's a, it's a kind of an interesting circle because what God's trying to say here is that 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy from me. Well, if we put that into our works and religious thinking, we go, oh, okay, so I have to give mercy to get it. Or I have to, uh, I'll be saved if I give mercy. And, And that's not the understanding here. We give mercy because it was given to us. We, we don't give mercy to get saved. We give mercy because we're saved. And so the reason we're going to receive mercy from God is because we've understood that we received it from him and therefore we become merciful to others. He's kind of calling you out saying, be merciful and I'll be merciful to you, but I'm going to be merciful to you if you're merciful because if you're merciful, you already know that you've received mercy from it. It's kind of this thing. I know it's kind of like, whoa, but blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. How could we possibly be merciful unless we understand God's mercy? And so we're, we're kind of indicted if we don't have mercy in our life. Now just think about this for a second. Re- reverse the verse. If blessed are the merciful, for they shall be receive mercy and receive mercy, then miserable are the unmerciful, for they will not receive mercy. And so I think there's room here that if you look at your life and you go, If I'm unmerciful, there's a great chance that I don't understand God's mercy for me, which means I may not have received God's mercy for me, which means I may still be in opposition to God, not in relationship with God. And we're not talking about a moment of of, of unmercy. We're not talking about that. We're talking about if, if we start to be more normalized in our mercy, it shows that we get it. There's a get it factor of what God's done in our life and how we want to respond back to that. Mercy will move you. When you receive God's mercy, it moves you. It moves you to endure the insults of cruel people. Mercy will move you to have sympathy for the afflicted, to be gentle with the fragile. Mercy will move you to be generous to the poor and gracious to the offensive. Mercy will move you to love the sinner who doesn't know Christ. That's what it looks like in our life. I want to remind you that mercy is more of a disposition, not a destination. We're called to be merciful, not just figure out how to do mercy, but to, but to be merciful. God's mercy will move us to have mercy for others. A woman in our church named Kathy has seen this demonstrated in her life in a powerful way. And she's allowed, us, allowed me to share a little bit of her story. She says, let me begin by introducing Kathleen At least that was the name I used to go by. My career was everything to me. I was a very educated, aggressive, driven professional, but I was not a nice person. I was demanding and expected perfection all the time. I obsessed with getting ahead at work. Sorry, I lost it there. I was obsessed with getting ahead at work, getting promotions, getting more money and more power. To say I wasn't a nice person was an understatement. I was unmerciful. I was so bad that my manager sent me to a management training conference to teach me how to work better with people. At about the same time as this, I joined a life group at CVC. This was the first time in my life that I really started to read and study God's word. I realized the corporate ladder did not reach heaven, only Jesus did. It was through this life group that I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And because of the new life in Christ I was experiencing, when I returned back to work, I wanted everyone to call me Kathy instead of Kathleen. The name change was a simple but significant way to show that Jesus was making me new. I'm glad I have Christ in my life because I've had quite a rocky road. 
I lost my husband Dave in 2000 to ALS. My youngest daughter was born with cerebral palsy. I've had two brain aneurysms, a stroke, a hip replacement, a brain infection, multiple surgeries, three life-threatening intestinal infections, and I've had my gallbladder and my large intestine removed. At three different times, I was not expected to live through the night, and it was suggested by the doctor that my children come see me so that we could say goodbye. But God had other plans for me. The fact that I'm alive is evidence that God has shown me mercy. With all the health issues in my life, I was no longer able to work. This would have been a death sentence to Kathleen, but to Kathy, it was an opportunity to explore ways to make a difference that I would have never considered before. I began serving in ministries of church, such as the children's ministry, the open table, sports camp, sewing clothes from pillowcases for impoverished children in other countries. I've found tremendous joy and peace in serving, one that the old, driven, unmerciful self never would have experienced. God has shown me great mercy, and I have enjoyed learning how to show mercy to others. What a change. I am so grateful for my new life in Christ. To God be all the glory, Kathy. Kathy loves Jesus. And Kathy knows that she's loved by Jesus. And Kathy knows that she's received mercy. She's enjoyed what it's like to learn how to give mercy to others. And there's a lot of Kathys in this room, a lot of us that have learned this. And this is just a chance to say, by the way, thank you. Thank you for those of you that are faithful prayer warriors that pray for that kind of stuff to happen here. Thank you for those of you who are serving. It was a life group leader that met Kathy in a place where God used that life group leader. So for those of you serving, thank you for what you're doing. It's making a difference. Thanks for giving. All these things help Kathy and others like her experience new life in Christ. But we also want to learn how to continue to do this in our own life, to be moved, to be more merciful to others. To summarize a thought to take home today, to try to apply would be this. Mercy moves you to move. Mercy moves you to move. So here's my question. How has this quick time been used by God to help you already desire to move? How does God want to move you? Maybe you're here today and you know Christ. But maybe when you look at that scene of Jesus and all the sinners and the Pharisees, you back up and go, I, I think I've become one of the Pharisees. I think I've become unmerciful. And God's reminding me today that I'm a recipient of great mercy. Therefore, I need to be a giver of great mercy. Maybe God just wants you to be more merciful today. Merciful with the people you work with. Merciful with the people that live in your neighborhood. Merciful with your family. Merciful for those who don't know Christ. Merciful for the least, the lost, and the last. And maybe you haven't been doing anything. You haven't been touching others' lives. God's mercy's touched you. Moved him to action. Maybe you've felt like you're merciful, but you've been inactive. You can't say that. Mercy will move you to action. What action does God want to move you to today? Maybe you're sitting here and, and God's affirming you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, man, I remember how bad I was. You know what? I, I actually think I've become more merciful. Praise God. And you just want to celebrate. You just want to praise that. You just want to thank God because you know without him, that wouldn't be who you are. For some of you, maybe the movement that God has for you today is to move to Christ. You've been sitting here and, and what's been pronounced in your heart is, I don't know Jesus. I don't, I'm not in relationship with this God who loves me, this God who's a just God who one day will, will reconcile accounts with me. I'm not in relationship with this understanding if he sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the grave for my sins. I, this is new to me. 
I need that. I want that. You know what? You can make that decision here this morning to move toward Christ. I don't know what God's telling you to do. I do know this. He wants us to move. He does not want you or me to leave here today exactly the way we came in, does he? He wants us to be different. My suspicion is to be more merciful. Would you pray with me, please? God, in one heart and one voice, we all say thank you for being merciful. God, without you and without your grace and without your love and without your mercy, we are doomed. We're in trouble. We are destined to spend eternity away from you and a life here on earth scrapping for something to try to make us feel purposeful. But because of your mercy, because of coming down in person, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, we can have new life here and eternal life with you. Thank you, God. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. God, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, today that you've just taken us to task. And you're going to continue to call us out of that Phariseehood and telling us, go, learn mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God, help us be more merciful. Move us to action. God, right now, for anyone in this room that's not in relationship with you, God, may they courageously and boldly come before you right now and just tell you that they need you. And if that's you in this room and you know you need the Lord, you've never entered a relationship with God, you can just tell God, you say, God, my life's broken. I'm prideful. I'm sinful. I'm unmerciful. And I need you. I need your mercy. I believe you came, Jesus, to live, die, and raise from the grave to rescue me from my sins. Thank you for your mercy. Forgive me, Jesus. I turn from my selfish ways, and I don't trust myself any longer. I put my trust in you. Come into my life. I know that you are Lord and God, and today I commit to follow you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God, for the gifts we're about to receive. We give them in a desire to demonstrate our trust in you and also to invest in others to come to know you as Savior, like Kathy and like so many others here. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Hey, before you leave today, a couple other things you can do. One, you have a response card in your program. If you made a decision for Christ, God's taking you to task on something, please feel free to share that with us. Put that in the baskets to come around. Maybe this is a real difficult area for you. Maybe you've been hurt by someone's lack of mercy, or maybe you're just not merciful. You just need extra prayer. Before you leave today, stop by the prayer cove in the corner over there. Just say, I need prayer. This is, this is a tough area for me. We'd love, we have some friends that would love to just pray for you. You don't have to internalize what God's done and operate in a vacuum. Share it. Step out. Let us know. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Amen.